your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy Hickman, and today's episode is brought to you by none other than Visa. Help support your local business. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or your favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you in your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with contactless Visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, the official partner of the NFL. It is Monday, and we are here to discuss the Houston Texans, who now the 0-3 Houston Texans lost Sunday's game to the Pittsburgh Steelers, 28-21, in a game where Houston came out hot in the first half, seemingly was going to get their first win of the year. Deshaun Watson ended the game with 264 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Randall Cobb had an amazing day, four catches for 95 yards, but ultimately the Houston Texans could not stop what they have been having an issue with the entire year, and that is the run game. And the Pittsburgh Steelers had a field day with getting after the quarterback. Deshaun Watson was sacked five times yesterday for 33 total yards lost. And Cody, can I get right into it for today? Because you and I, we are not forced to be fans, but we cover this team. And so I like to think that while we are covering this team, and you spend a lot of time here in Houston, I've spent my entire life outside of college. Home is Houston. Houston is home. And so I've seen this team over the course of nearly 20 years now, right? Going into Sunday's matchup, I say all of that to say that we are fans to some degree. Going into Sunday's matchup, I was watching the pregame show, right? And the question came out, which 0-2 team has the best chance to make the playoffs? And Phil Sims chose the Texans in the pregame. And what do we know about the Houston Texans? Well, what did we know about the Houston Texans going into Pittsburgh's game? And what do we still know about the Houston Texans this season? Well, the defense wanted to prove a lot in this game, right? They were allowing 200 yards rushing per game going into Sunday's matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they were allowing roughly 207 passing yards per game going into Sunday's game. They are still trying to replace DJ Reader. And the absence of Garyon Conley has significantly hurt this secondary. J.J. Watt was two sacks away from 100 sacks in his career. And he's also playing against his brother. They want to call it the, the, the Watt Bowl, Derek and TJ for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Anthony Weaver was still trying to find his own success as a defensive coordinator here in Houston. That's what we know uh, defensively. And it seemed like everything that we knew defensively going into this game, there was nothing to say, oh, we can check this off the list because they're still dealing with the same issues, Cody. Listeners at home, when I watched that game, let me tell you something. I was pissed at the outcome because I had to fight to get a good spot at work on a good floor to be able to watch this game. And they came out hot. I mean, that second quarter, last-minute drive, literally the last-minute drive, 
Houston had offensively was amazing, right? And we're going to get into all of that, but I want to put this out here to say this. Who do you fire when the guy that you that you would normally have in place to fire somebody is the guy that you can't fire unless somebody from up top comes down and make the move. Bill O'Brien has done a couple of things to this team. First and foremost, I think Anthony Weaver can be a good DC, but you know what Bill O'Brien did? The lack of talent that he brought in defensively is killing this team. How many times in the last three to four weeks have I brought up just randomly on the show free agents that are still available? A couple of times. Yet and still, you know what his problem is? I'm understanding what his problem is right now. His problem is it's not really about championship winning. The old fashioned way. You want to do things your way so bad that if a guy, a player who can affect in a, in a great way, the, the chances you have to be in a better team, the chances you have to be a better team, if he gives you any type of pushback, if he has a somewhat of an ego, if he is a personality, you don't want to bring him in. And that has cost your D.C. I, I'm seeing what Anthony Weaver is doing defensively, and I'm, I'm, I'm really mad about the defense. I know we're going to talk about the offense, but I'm seeing what Anthony Weaver is trying to do defensively. It's not working because for some reason, Brennan Scarlett is getting more time than Jacob Martin. Because some reason, you wanted to bring in guys and give them a three-year, $20 million contract. And no disrespect to Eric Murray, but these guys are not starters in this league. Normally, the quote, do more with less, how many times does that actually work? Ask yourself, how many times does doing more with less actually work? You need the talent. And there's a, there's a lack of talent. There's a lack of consistency. And quite frankly, there's a lack of leadership on this team. There's no way Houston should have lost that game yesterday. No way. But I tell you this, another problem is we're not – how can you create a culture change when the roots are still embedded, right? You made all of these trades. You brought in new players. You got rid of old players. What culture change are you trying to make when you're still here? The same thing we've been having an issue with week one, week two, last year, the year before last, since we've gotten Deshaun Watson. The conversation around Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien has ultimately been Bill O'Brien is holding Deshaun back. Until Bill O'Brien credit, until Bill O'Brien's credit, we've seen him do more or less with, with, with Brock Oswald making the playoffs, Brian Horry making the playoffs, Fitzpatrick making like, things. We've seen him do that before, right? But now you're in a position where Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes. Baltimore has Lamar Jackson, right? These young, uh, we know what Arizona has because, man, Kyler has been looking good. Had a rough day yesterday, but he's been looking good offensively. But we, we're, we're in a league now where these older quarterbacks are getting slowly pushed out, and you have one of the young star quarterbacks. You don't have to worry about a Sam Darnold for your franchise. You don't have to worry about a Baker Mayfield. You're not worrying about a Daniel Jones. You're not worrying about these other young quarterbacks that have been drafted to teams that is still not panning out. Do you know how terrible Sam Darnold looked yesterday? You don't have to worry about that because you have Deshaun. But you need to do more with more because now you're doing less with more. 
And you cannot create a culture change if you are still here. That's my damn problem. The first three weeks, and like I said, I'm giving it to the Vikings game to really make my judgment. But they should have not lost that game yesterday. That game was so winnable. But the reason why they lost that game is because that culture change, Bill O'Brien and, and Jack Easterby, who's been very good for the uh, front office, I'm, I'm not really pissed off about him. But the reason why is because you cannot change what, you, what you're normally going to do. You want to get lax. You want to get lazy. You want to, be, you want to go back to this vanilla play style. Vanilla play call. Why in the hell were you continuously running up the A-gap when Zach Fulton and this entire right side of the line, but the Zach Fulton and Nick Martin was getting their ass beat up yesterday? Why? Why? David Johnson averaged 1.8 yards per carry yesterday because you wanted to continue to run up the A-gap. Were there not any adjustments that you can make at halftime or throughout the game? No, no, that'd be too much like right. Cody, you can go ahead and take the floor. I'm sorry for holding on too long. <laughs> you good, man. Look, let me just say this. You giving this team till next week, I'm already calling it. This team is not going to the playoffs. I don't see how you can give this team to next week to start making your judgment when you're going to face one of the best running backs in the league in Delvin Cooks, and this team is already averaging, giving up a total of 200 and some yards through the first three weeks. John, I am very frustrated at what I saw yesterday because I do agree with you on everything that you said. This game should have went the Texans' way. There is no way in hell they should have lost this game. But yet, once again, we saw a collapse on not just defense on, but but on offense as well. And it's, it's very frustrating because in the very in the first half of this game, both sides of the ball did look good. The secondary looked pretty good. The, it, it was a couple times where they had they had two pass interference calls that went against their way, which I believe wasn't pass interference, especially when the one with Claypool ran literally ran into Bradley Roby, and they call a pass interference on Roby. Other than that, the secondary looked good. The offensive line, the first half did look good. Offensively, the Texans themselves looked good. Like, everything looked good in the first half. I just don't understand what the hell went on between the first half and the second half of this team. So, we're going to get into that. Of course, we're going to break down the offense and we're going to break down the defense. John, like I said, you're giving this team until next week against Minnesota. I don't see it happening. I do believe that this team is going to go it's going to go down 0-4. I mean, this is the first time since 2018, which was two years ago, they started 0-3. I see a lot of people saying, well, we started 0-3, and we, and, and we still ended up 11-5. We still won our division. We still went to the playoffs, even though they always leave out that. That was also the year that they got smacked by the Indianapolis Colts in that wild card game. But ladies and gentlemen, let me just say this. It is hard to compare the 2018 team to the 2020 team that we see because like me and John been talking his whole entire time, the talent is not there. In 2018, the Texans were a hell of a lot better of a talented team. You had Hopkins, you had Clowney, you had DJ Reader. You, those are three names that I just named. They are no longer there. So it's not going to be the same results as when the Texans started 0-3 two years ago. And then you also got to take a look at it from a standpoint, those three losses that the Texans dropped in 2018, every single one of those games 
it was something, it was either a call or a play that did not go their way. Like, if you go back and look at those games, you can see the talent. You can see the potential. Like, okay, this team can be good. But if it wasn't for a call, if it wasn't for a lucky field goal, like when they lost the, lost the game against the Tennessee Titans, it was literally tiny mistakes was the reason why that team started off 0-3. They fixed those mistakes and reeled off nine wins in a row. Even if the Texans fixed their mistakes, and I do believe that they fixed a lot of their mistakes because we saw it in the first half of this game against the Steelers, it's still not going to be enough because at the end of the day, this team is not talented enough. And, John, I'm sorry, but 2020 season is going to be a long, dreadful year for not only us, not only for the fans, but the Houston Texans in general. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant and cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller and shareable squeeze tube. Also, CBD Recovers combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need when it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off your next order when you use promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONNFL for 25% off your purchase of a superior CBD oil products and from CBDMD. This was a game, the classic tale of two halves. The first half, the Houston Texans looked like a team that we was all waiting for to show up in 2020. And then the second half, they all reverted back to the team that dropped the first two games of the regular season against the Chiefs and the Ravens. Now, we all was kind of giving this team a pass because everyone was talking about there's probably never has been a team to open it up against arguably the best two franchises in the National Football League, when you take a look at the Chiefs Super Bowl defending champions, when you take a look at the Ravens, arguably could be the Super Bowl champion at the end of this season. But what I saw from the Pittsburgh Steelers, John, as I mentioned, I I, I did not like what I saw. And like I say, it was a tale of two halves because the first half, the Houston Texans did look great on both sides of the ball. But we're going to start with this offense first. And the first half, they came out and – you can really see a sense that they were starting to develop that camaraderie, that they were starting to develop chemistry amongst one another. And it showed in their number. Now, let me start with this offensive line because, John, everyone knows that Deshaun Watson was sacked five times. That offensive line looked mighty good in the first half. It wasn't perfect because two out of Deshaun Watson five sacks came in the first half. And they came from Nick Martin and Zach Fulton. I'm going to get on Fulton in a little bit later on. But that offensive line did look good. And I do want to give kudos to Titus Howard. Up until the fourth quarter, Titus Howard really did held his own against the Steelers' blitz defense, especially against T.J. Watt. That was a play at the end of the first half where Titus Howard basically blocked two players. He, he First, he blocked his assignment, and then... The Steelers tried to get fancy with it and sent a stunt, and he was able to block that guy. I want to give kudos to Titus Howard because I got on him a lot last week. I, I was saying how bad he was, how terrible he looked during, during those first two weeks of the regular season. 
this game, he really looked good. I don't know if because he is now healthy. Um, the, the ankle injury that he was battling did not give him problems at all this in whole entire week leading up to this game against the Steelers. He looked mighty good against the Steelers. But overall, the Houston Texans offense in that first half was phenomenal. They recorded 11 first downs. They was four for seven on third down convergence. The combination of Randall Cobb, Will Fuller, and Brandon Cooks, they recorded a combined eight catches for 129 yards. And Deshaun Watson was 14 for 18 for 202 yards in the first half. And that was part of the reason why they took a 21-17 lead into the halftime break. But something happened to the Texans' offense in the second half, and we still don't know what the hell went on. But the Texans went from completing 11 first downs in the first half to only completing two in the second half. They went from going four for seven on third downs in the first half to only one of five during the second half. It was they, – they offense were so terrible in the second half that they only received the ball four times, and three out of those fours, they was three and out. John, you touched on it a little bit, and I understood during the media availability, Deshaun Watson was asked what was going on with the running game because their running game was atrocious. And, John, I've been a big believer in David Johnson. I get it. The offensive line did not look that good blocking for this guy, and I get it. The Pittsburgh Steelers are a team. All they do is bliss, and we saw it. But when I think about what – Melvin Gordon was able to do against the Steelers defense that same Steelers defense even though it came in a loss he recorded 70 rushing yards on 19 carries you telling me David Johnson couldn't even record 30 rushing yards he ended the game with 23 on 13 carries I don't understand what's going on with him he looked very good his very first game but these last two he did not look good he averaged 1.5 yards per carry that is not, as a former Pro Bowl running back or whatever the case might be, I don't care if you're still in your prom or if you're not in your prom. You should have the talent to at least <laughs> average four, four point something yards per attempt. Like, it, it, watching that man run was very frustrating to me on yesterday. And I get it. It was the play calling, why I continue trying to let this guy run up the middle. But, John, at the end of the day, where was he going to go? They made the Texans' run game look non-existent. And, John, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to give you back the floor. What I saw at the Texans in that second half, they are more that team than the team that we saw in the first half. Yes, of course they are. Let me tell you guys what the Houston Texans did in the second half. This is after the 21 21- 20 lead, right? Well, they got the – it was 21-17 going into half. Pittsburgh kicks off the second quarter – I mean, the third quarter. 12 plays, 62 yards. Houston did a very good job of holding them to three, right? And I want to say – you mentioned a few things, and I want to double back around it. Houston was so good in that first half because their leader at quarterback was going through his reads, right, on the second drive. Third and three, Watson steps up and finds Cooks, right? And then the very next play, he finds Fuller for around 15 yards. Uh, Watson misses Cooks when uh, Williams was holding him. Uh, they had the linebacker on, on Cooks. But then he comes right back and finds Randall Cobb for a touchdown, right? And from that drive, 
He went through his reads. He went through his pro uh, progressions, some big third down conversions to Cooks and Vin Cobb. And um, one thing that I wanted to mention is he he made a very good throw in the pocket. Uh, as good as the job Titus Howard had did better than he had in the last couple of weeks, the play to Cobb, Titus Howard was pushed all the way back into Sean Watson's face. He delivered that pass from the pocket to Randall Cobb, who was able to score. When Watson is going through his reads and progressions, that man is dangerous. And then the third drive, the offensive line, uh, they played very brutal. Shout out to Brian Anger, the punter. He, he just continues to do, do his job. But one thing that I loved about the offense, and it looked very fluid early on in that second quarter, in the first quarter, there were seven completions to six different receivers. Now, what do we mention in the offseason? What was the key to making this offense work without DeAndre Hopkins? Everybody has to touch the ball. And so early on, that's what happens. You saw Cobb getting involved, who looks like he's worth the money that he was guaranteed, right? You saw Kenny Steele's getting involved. You saw Cooks. You saw Fuller. Uh, you saw David Johnson getting involved in the pass game. You saw a lot of different people get their hands involved in around the ball, right, for Houston. And in the second half, that completely stopped. Let me tell you guys what happened in the second half, right? After the Pittsburgh Steelers go down, kicks three, Houston did a very good job defensively. Now, as good of a job the defense did throughout this game, for the most part, they were only able to keep Houston in offensively for so long. Houston was so unable to sustain drives. And the drives that they were able to get more than three or five plays on in that second half, they weren't able to score. How do you go from everybody touching the ball offensively in the first half to proving that you do have a system and you do have a formula that you believe can work to all to the next half, you just completely abandon it? I did like how early on we saw a lot of quick step drops. We saw we saw a lot of Deshaun Watson getting the ball out of his hands uh, early and often, very quick, because we know that Pittsburgh has T.J. Watt along with Bud Dupree. And uh, Hayward had a very good day. Uh, Johnson had a very good day against Houston's offensive line yesterday. Defensively, they just had a good day as the game went on. But I fear, here's my fear for Houston. I fear Houston's offense may only work being one-dimensional, and that's passing the ball because the run just doesn't work. We're three games in. We are terrible collectively as a unit trying to run the ball. And when you go back and look at what they did in that second half, it seems like Bill O'Brien and his coaching staff, Bill O'Brien, Tim Keller, whoever was calling the plays, it seemed like that they were trying to play with the clock because they just looked so conservative. And my biggest issue is what I saw in the second half. You remember when they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins? Everyone made this big fuss of the multitude of, of receivers that Deshaun Watson has, the multitude of targets that he has. And, and in this, this offense has so much speed and, and they can go and catch all these deep threat targets from Deshaun Watson and all this. My biggest issue is why make all that fuss when it's time for you to execute this offense and execute the game plan that you've been boasting about ever since training camp but when it when it but when the game comes we don't see it I don't understand why we are not seeing Deshaun Watson hit these multiple targets that he have I don't understand I did not understand 
why in the hell they kept calling so many running plays when literally when your offense was clicking in the first quarter, it was already a given that David Johnson in the run game was not going to be a factor against the Steelers. And once again, you and I are not a football guru. The listeners are not a football guru, but we have enough common sense to know that if it's the first half and we see that the Pittsburgh Steelers secondary, and they did prove my point, they do play down to the level of their competition. If their secondary was not there, why would you go away from that game plan, which was the reason why that which was the reason why you was up going into halftime? And like I said, John, if it wasn't for those two bogus passing appearance calls, they probably would have been up by a lot more going into halftime other than three. That's my biggest problem. Why did we make so much hype about the multitude of receivers that Deshaun Watson has, but yet when you go out there playing against a team that all they do is bliss, you're going to continue trying to run the ball. Were you trying to play with the clock? Were you trying to get the clock on your side? If that was the case, then the whole entire coaching staff needs to be fired because why are you trying to play with the clock midway through the third quarter when you're only up by one point? That does not make any sense to me. David Johnson ran for 10 yards on eight first now carries. And you mentioned why were they doing it? Were they just trying to hold on to the lead? Cody, I I really would not be surprised if that was the case. If that was the thinking. It's not like they was up by a full touchdown or two touchdowns. They were up by one. No, listen, I totally a single point. I agree. I agree. I think what so how many times have I mentioned on this show that Houston has an identity crisis? A few times, right? And the identity crisis, it seems to be coming from where you want to go and where you are and where you come from. Where you come from is overachieving, right? Let's, 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 cause, because I gave Bill O'Brien credit for doing more or less. And if I'm saying that, then I I truly believe that you just overachieved with what you had on the roster, especially at quarterback, mainly at quarterback. Where you are right now is a team who has won the AFC South in consecutive years with Deshaun Watson, but in that time span, with or without Deshaun Watson, by the way, but in that time span, Tennessee has went to the AFC conference game, so has Jacksonville, and so has Indy. And where you want to go is where all the other great franchises are right now, to the promised land, or to at least have people believe in you. That's where they are right now on both sides of the ball, but it's really showing offensively. Like Houston, Houston have been, especially in this decade, from 2010 to 2020, for the most part, Houston has put together some very great defenses. Right now, we can just pretty much collectively say that You know, they're dealing with a few things. Uh, Bill O'Brien decided to hire in-house. So now we're we're not dealing with a a full experienced defensive coordinator. We're dealing with a first-year DC who was a defensive line coach last year, right? We are dealing with the lack of talent on defense. And, you know, to still give the truth what it is, these guys do not know how to play with one another under this D.C. By the way, J.J. Watt still looked good yesterday. But it really speaks to where you where you are, where you was, and where you're going. It really speaks to the offense. 
Because Bill O'Brien was supposed to be this quarterback whisperer, this quarterback guru. And then now you have Tim Kelly, which I saw the difference in between offensive in the first half and the second half. But my problem is, if that's where you're going, why did you go back to where you came from? And I'm saying this in halves, first half and second half, right? You're saying the same thing. Listeners, you're saying the same thing. But in previous games, we saw a very good team offensively in one quarter, and then we didn't see it for the other three. That's happened twice. Houston just don't know what they want to do. And that is going to cost them. Not only is that's going to cost them a season, because if they start off 0-4, there's nothing they can do. There's nothing they can do. Because now you are dead last in your, in your conference. This is a very competitive conference. Tennessee won yesterday, right? Indy won yesterday. This is a very competitive conference. I don't see them digging themselves out of 0-4 hole. And then you're going to have your young players, your young stars questioning themselves and thinking, damn it, do I got to stay here the full time of my contract? And it sucks because you don't have to deal with the, what some of the other franchises have to deal with. You got it. You just don't want to use it. Hey, guys, when we first started off the show today, I told you guys about Built Bar, how great Built Bar is, but also left out some very important details that you need to know. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Six new flavors, which includes my favorite, the caramel brownie, along with the cookies and cream. My grandmother loves that one. They still have the 12 original flavors, the raspberry, the German chocolate, along with the peanut butter. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft, and easy to chew. And this is for the healthy, conscious guy like myself who wants to lose weight but doesn't want to give up a lot of the sweets, right? You can lose and maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and great for a keto diet. And here's another thing Bill Bar is doing for their customers right now. You get a free cooler with the purchase while supplies last, which is only for a few weeks or so. So, so go ahead and hop on that right now. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your next order. Defensively for Houston, they, they did a pretty good job yesterday. I think they won on some matchups. I think they're still trying to figure out what to do with Lonnie Johnson, who uh, ran into the wrong zone. Don't get me started on and, and and Juju Smith literally walked into the end zone. Don't get me started on Lonnie. Um, as good as they were playing, they had some missed opportunities, uh, which really led to the Pittsburgh Steelers getting that 28-21 to 21 lead that they never let up on. But uh, I, I don't give them too much of the blame. We're going to talk about the defense because, you know, offensively, Houston was not able to hold on the ball. So their defense was out there a lot. Pittsburgh killed the time of possession. I think Houston only had the ball for a total of 23 minutes out of the entire game. That's not good. But defensively, we saw some good things out there. We saw Charles who get a sack on Big Ben, uh, forcing the Steelers to go three and out. In the first quarter, held the Pittsburgh Steelers to one of four on third down conversions, and they also only allowed 3.7 yards per pass. They really did a very very good job, phenomenal job on uh, keeping Big Ben in check. They also had that goal line stand. Uh, it originally resulted in an intentional grounding, 
But then it was followed by Eric Ebron touchdown. But Houston showed some fight. They showed will, which is a couple of things we were missing in the last two weeks. So to see that effort out of Houston defensively, I really, really did love it. Houston had a couple of third and shorts. Uh, they had a third and one stop. They had a third and inches stop. Uh, they they did some things in that game yesterday that really said, at least to me, okay, they're making improvements. And that's why I want to I want to give, you know, Anthony Weaver the benefit of the doubt that he's just playing with a thrown together roster. Defensively, they had some bright moments. They had a couple of sacks on Big Ben. And early on, they did give Big Ben some trouble. Uh, he looked like he was still trying to get acclimated up to the game, which I'm not going to say that's due to the offseason or lack thereof because Big Ben looked very good in the first two games going into yesterday's matchup. But Houston just did a very good job of throwing different looks at him, making key stops, which is one thing that they did not do in the last two games. They made some tackles. Even when they missed them, they made some tackles. They, they made the most out of their opportunities and got off the field pretty early. And that allowed the offense to get cooking and allowed the defense to get a rest. The defense did not look bad up until the, the third quarter. This is the second week in a row I've said this. I, I've actually feel really, really bad for the Texans defense because they really played a they, – they played a really good game. Up until the fourth quarter, John, I know you say it on the third quarter. I'm going to have to disagree just a little bit because in that third quarter, they only gave up three points. And once again, if when you take a look at the, the box score and you see that they gave up 169 rushing yards, you might think to yourself, oh, man, here they go again. They couldn't stop the run. That's not true because they held their own against the run for the majority of this game. The first quarter, they gave up 31 rushing yards. The second quarter, ah, it was pretty iffy. They gave up 48. But the third quarter, they gave up the game, the, the lowest of the game, 22 rushing yards. 22. Here come the fourth quarter. They gave up 68 rushing yards, and majority of them came from James Conner. John, as I mentioned last week, James Conner, if you let this guy run the ball, he will run this team to a victory, and that's exactly what happened. He recorded 109 yards on 18 carries, and what happened? The Steelers won. I believe now this is seven out of the eight times since 2018 that when he records over 100 rushing yards, the Steelers will win. But with all that being said, I feel bad for the Texans' defense, and I'm talking about the secondary and the front seven because overall, outside of a couple of hiccups like the bogus Lonnie Johnson blown coverage that he had, but outside a couple of those, they look really, really good. And I want to give a shout out to Anthony Weaver because we can see that he is really putting in work with this Texans defense. And each week they look better and better. But, John, the main reason why they, the, the, this defense continues to give up so many big plays in the fourth quarter, the reason why they are giving up so many big yardages in the fourth quarter and they are unable to make those key stops is because they are always on the field. How can you expect the Texans to make those key stops in the fourth quarter when your offense is going three and out, three and out, three and out? You cannot expect much from this Texans defense. So not only is it a mixture of lack of talent on the defensive side of the ball, but it's also the fact that you're asking your, you're, you're putting your guys out there almost 
every single time. These guys cannot catch a breather because your offense is non-existent. That's that's my biggest takeaway from this defense. I like what I saw against the Ravens, even though we know what happened in the fourth quarter. I like what I saw against the Pittsburgh Steelers, even though, just like yesterday, we know what happened in the fourth quarter. They, th- This team needs to find a way to get it clicking on offense because this defense is looking good. There are a couple guys out there I would love to see a change, especially Lonnie Johnson Jr. Once again, training camp. You making all this hoopla, knocking boys out, laying boys out, but time for you to really go out there and perform, you shrink. I don't know what the deal is with Lonnie Johnson. My patience is really starting to run thin with him. Hopefully he could th- turn things around. To be honest with you, John, he looked better the second half of his rookie season last year versus than what we have seen these first couple of games of this year. But I like what I saw from the Texans defense. And by the way, the first half, The Pittsburgh Steelers had five possessions. Two out of those fives, the Texans did exactly what Anthony Weaver wanted them to get. Three and outs. You get on the field, you get off. But once again, second half, they did it. Third quarter, they did it. But the fourth quarter, they couldn't because there was gas. Why? Because the offense was non-existent. The quote of the press conference after the game to me was Brandon Cooks. He had two of them. We started the game fast. We didn't finish it. We have to be more consistent and make bigger plays when we can. Of those two, we started the game fast. We didn't finish it. I'm John some Sports Guy Hickman. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook as well. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y. D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And if we sound a little bit emotional on today's show, we apologize because we are emotional. That game yesterday should have been the Texans' first win of the season. And it's very frustrating when you're sitting there and you can see what's going on, but you can't do nothing about it. And that's how we felt. Once again, why go away from the game plan that got you up going into the halftime? And once again, if it wasn't for those bogus calls, those pass interference calls, and that blown coverage by Lottie Johnson Jr., they would have been up by more. But instead, they started being conservative. Why? This is going to be a long season, John. Uh, Until tomorrow, where we'll be able to come back and get more uh, of what happened yesterday. Let's talk about more of the collapse that, you know, honestly, I thought Houston was going to drop a 40-piece on Pittsburgh and shut me the hell up. Remember, I chose them to lose the game. They proved me wrong. They proved me right, rather. But until tomorrow, will we be able to get more insight, in-depth look about what happened, hear from the coaches, hear from some of the players. You guys stay safe out there in Houston. Peace. Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.